There were a few weeks where I tried talking about candles, you know, as that was a big thing that I did. And one of the reasons I liked that was because there's something very natural about candlelight that we can't quite replicate with our virtual lights. It's, it's almost that it's because it is more dangerous, because it is inherently flickering and volatile. There's a, there's a certain reality to the light that it provides in that it's not trying to hide us from the, the cost, from the, the actual sacrifice required to produce light, to produce this, this illumination of the space around it, to cast away darkness, this fuel must be burned. It's, it's really healthy for, for thinking for me. Uh, I, and so I've since supplemented my, my system with a small incense burner to add to the ambience. So now I'm staring at a candle through a small fog of incense. And uh, let me tell you, it, it's, it's great for thinking. Thanks for joining me today. Um, not sure exactly what we're going to be covering, but I think it might cover some of that introductory stuff. And so uh, we, I'm glad you could spend some time, and we'll see, we'll see what happens over the next few minutes. Um, I'm going to start, I guess, by going, going off of that into something I've been looking at recently, something I've been watching. Now, I've been watching a lot of different things. Um, there's a guy named Chris Voss who was an FBI negotiator. And he's got a lot of resources on YouTube available where you can learn from him. You can see him present some of the things he learned about human beings, like how we think, so that he could negotiate with a, uh, you know, a terrorist from the Philippines. He could negotiate with somebody from Haiti. And he didn't need to know the language. He didn't need to speak with them directly necessarily. But because of the way that humans work, he could, he could understand what the other guy was thinking and speak properly to to actually influence them to do what he wanted to do to, to to get the information that they maybe didn't want to say but because of the ways he phrased things they would be more willing um, on a note that I, I appreciated one of the things he he mentions is that the word no is actually easier to get out of somebody than the word yes people don't like to give yes to there's like an inherent feeling that if somebody tries to make you say yes too many times, that, that they're, they're deceiving you, right? We all have this in, internal prevention mechanism. Whereas if you phrase the same question in terms of a negative, people are very willing to say no. Um, and he said that that's not cultural. You, you might need to understand what a, a fake yes means in between different communities, but that it is a human entity, human psychological phenomena that we don't like saying yes and we like saying no um, we're very independent creatures so that was one of the things i've been looking at another one to kind of touch off of one of the things i hinted at last week is that uh, i've been looking at dietary um, information alternative dietary information and so for the past well basically month i mean a little less than a month but um 23 or 24 days, I have been attempting a ketonic diet, a keto diet, um, and it has been absolutely fantastic so far. Let me tell you, it is, it's been great. I'm eating bacon and eggs 
for lunch, and I'm eating stir fry for dinner. It is it is awesome, and I'm combining it with intermittent fasting, which is basically, you know, you you don't eat for 16 hours and you eat for eight hours, or you don't eat for 20 hours and you eat for four. Um, and so when you combine these two, you know, the the fact that the body the body has to de- deal with the energy it's stored and it has to learn to store and and handle energy when I give it to my body, right? When 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 I decide my body gets food, it has to acknowledge that okay, I have food now, and if I don't get food for another sixteen hours, I can survive. You know, I can I've com- I've in the past done 24, 48 hour fasts, um, not twenty four, but twenty four to forty eight hour fasts, <laughs> um, and those have been fantastic. I mean, the first couple were miserable, but. Um, since then, it's 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 honestly really nice to just cleanse the body, uh, and there's some actual science behind how the body is able to reset. Uh, and so then I'm combining the intermittent fasting with keto, where I'm basically trying to cut out carbs, and it's been it's been nice for me. Um, I mean, I it's only been a few weeks, but I feel healthier. I've I've actually cut off all my. Uh, my weight gain that I got in in December from my my holiday travels and well November too because Thanksgiving was a big meal. But anyway, that's studying uh, the the science behind the keto diet, studying why carbs have become bigger, why portion sizes have become bigger. You know, coming to learn how the United States government, in its war on poverty, has created the healthcare crisis we have today. Of people who aren't healthy because they don't they don't lead healthy lifestyles because they're eating processed foods they're eating high carbs they're giving into their desires for consumption um, and while it might be great for a couple of industries it's not good for us as a people um, so ultimately they've created a massive problem in their desire to remove poverty you know the poor will be with you always what do you know we try and eliminate poverty. We try and eliminate the starvation, and what we get is obesity. And obesity is just as bad um, because it, it destroys a person's life in, in in the same way. I mean, it eliminates it eliminates their ability to live life the way they would like to live it, and they are they are bound to food in the same way that that uh, starvation does. Um, and one of the other the other things that I've been looking at is different, I guess, male inspirational speakers, right? Uh, guys who are, who understand the psychology of men and they speak to them with a specific, in a specific way. And it's not like they, it's not like they spe- focus specifically on men, right? I do, I don't want to make this, I don't want to slander them, right? But it's that these guys know how to talk to other men and work with other men and express things in a way that is easy to understand um, and that 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 gives that that attracts men because it it inspires discipline and this is where you know this is where men are are lacking I think in our modern world in the epidemic of fatherlessness that we see discipline has become more important and so the three the three guys are um, one, uh, Jocko, um, and he is a former Marine. Highly recommended by, if you know me, you know I'm going to recommend him, Jonathan Fisk. Um, 
but former Marine who has a podcast now. He's he lifts weights. He's a big proponent of jujitsu, and so the way he expresses leadership, the way he expresses uh, discipline, comes from a military background, from understanding what they do in the military, how it applies to the everyday life that you have, and how to how to take those skills and translate them. And because he's he's used to speaking to military men, he's most used to speaking in a military way. He's not going to sugarcoat it. He's not going to he's not going to cut you off easy, right? Somebody asked him, you know, oh hey, you know, it's easy for you to be disciplined because you had you know because you don't know what it's like to have parents who aren't disciplined and don't teach it. And he basically said, no, discipline isn't inside you. You have to you have to develop discipline from within. You can have support, and it's great to have support, but nobody can give you discipline. And so he's willing to he is willing to come out and be honest with people in a way that uh, is, uh, I think, very inspiring. And and he's got a, a counter, you know, a co-podcaster who's who's got the more of the science behind it. Um, and they're both they're both fantastic uh, podcasters, I think. And the the conversations back and forth are quite good. So I highly recommend the podcast and uh, his content, especially on. Um, discipline uh, and freedom you know what is freedom and it's interesting because I had this theory about freedom before I listened to him you know that um, freedom imbues responsibility it is it is the only a free man who can be disciplined who can be responsible because a, a, a servant and this was this is coming from me right somebody who is a slave has duties. And, and they have requirements, things they must do. But someone who's free doesn't. If you're free, you have to actually go out and ask yourself, right? You have to ask the world. You have to ask other people, what should I do? What am I supposed to do? And and then you have the responsibility of when, when you go and out and do it, when you go out and do something, you must bear the consequence not only for doing it, but for choosing to do that and not doing something else. When you, when you go out and you do something, if, you're, if you make it as a free choice, then, then you have to bear the responsibility of that. Um, and, and so therefore, discipline is required. Discipline is the, is the source from which you are able to maintain uh, order, rem- remove the potential for future slavery. Um, because if you're not disciplined, you become enslaved. All right, what, what does this mean? If you aren't disciplined with what you eat, you become a slave to it, right? To kind of go off that other one. If you're not disciplined with what you say, you will not, you will not actually present your, your ideas in the way you meant to. And over time, you will, you will be limited in the, in the things you're able to say because people won't trust you. If you're not disciplined in, how you work out, you could either get hurt or, you know, just get fat. Now, diet has a lot to do with that too. But, you know, if you're not disciplined with going to work on time, you're not going to go anywhere with your job. If you're not disciplined in doing your work well, you will become enslaved to your job. But, and, and it's not to say that discipline will solve it. It's not to say that the man who is disciplined will solve all his issues. But discipline is definitely the, the first step. You know, discipline and excellence, you know, excellence is the idea that you have the 
talent to do something, right? Certain people ha don't have the talents to accomplish everything, right? I, I do not have the talent to become a composer, right? Naturally. It's not something that naturally comes to me. My, my ear doesn't quite pick up things. If I trained, if I was disciplined, I could, I could pursue that as a career. And I, I firmly believe that. Um, some people might not be able to do that, right? Um, you know, all, another um, example. I, no matter how disciplined I become, would struggle to get into the NBA at this age, right? I'm, I'm in my early 20s. It's, it's too late. So no matter how much discipline I have, I'm not getting in. I'm not getting in. I don't have the time. Um, and there are other people who have the same uh, will, let's say, who have more time, who have more uh, youth behind them. They have more potential. They are less of a risk for the company to hire them. And, you know, maybe they have a better brand. I'm not, I'm not in the position, no matter how disciplined I become. Um, and frankly, my, my physical talents aren't exactly placed there, right? Similar with Olympics. Um, I probably will not be a, no, I will not be a, a world champion marathon runner. But uh, I can still go run. I can still have discipline in that regard and be healthy in that regard. Um, so, you know, keeping, keep being at the top of your game uh, it does require discipline. And that, that's going to be necessary for you to accomplish what you can, to, to take your talents and make them the, the most honed, the most uh, prepared for any situation that you can get into. Now, whether or not you succeed, a lot of that's preparation, and, and some of that's just going to be maybe maybe it's not you, right? And so you, you don't have to worry about it all the time if you fail. Sometimes you say, well, I failed. I guess I'll learn from that. Um, sometimes it's I failed. I should probably you know learn from that that I do more. Sometimes it's maybe I should ask for help. Maybe somebody else should come in, um, which is a, a, a way of saying, though, not a way of saying. To, to kind of get back to the main point. The the discipline that you have is evidence that you were free. It, the responsibility you took upon yourself is evidence that you were in fact free. It, to be enslaved would be to not have that that ability to do it. And and in some ways we are we are limited. Some things, no matter how disciplined you are, you will not be able to do it um, because you're enslaved to your own situation. But you are free in other ways. And if you want to optimize the the range of your freedom and, and what you do with it and how you can help other people with the freedom you do have, then cherish it, maintain it, and be disciplined. Um, and, and so Jocko, right, to get back to the beginning of this, Jocko has a very similar philosophy. Um, I'm not going to explain it. I would highly recommend you go look him up, but very much, you know, discipline equals freedom. That's his, that's his phrase. Um, so I'm very glad to, to have found a guy who actually agrees with me because it makes me feel better. And he's actually got the pedigree to, to be definitely right about this. You know, he knows what he's talking about and he can actually apply it and help other people. Whereas I'm just some guy with a microphone. Um, second one, many of you probably know him or have at least heard of him. And that is, uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson from, uh, the University of Toronto in Canada. Uh, this is a guy who got in a lot of trouble because he refused to call people by the, the gender pronouns that they wanted to be called by. 
And so this kind of made him a, a figure of the you know, right wing, the alt-right evil people. And a lot of people with reasonable heads said, wait a second, no, that's totally normal. And then have since come to listen to him and ask, well, what's he saying? Does it make sense? Um, and so what, what I found by listening to him is, is he's got this very interesting take on particularly Christianity, but mostly um, psychology. Right? Jordan Peterson is a student of the Carl Jung uh, philosoph- uh, psychological branch, um, where he, he takes things and tries to express them in terms of archetypes. Right? As though there are pieces of the human psyche that are expressed in our stories in the way that we think about the world in the most basic forms. Think about the hero's journey, right? You have uh, the, the story of Star Wars is the general example of this, where you have the young boy, the farm kid, meets a wizard and... Uh, you know, a couple of rogues, and he goes on a great adventure to fight off the evil powers and and you know win the day. It just so happens in Star Wars, uh, he wins it with the power of prayer. Um, it's a very interesting you know archetypal story that goes on in that story and a lot of other stories of heroes and what do they do. One of the things Jordan B. Peterson does is look at the ancient texts, ancient stories, um, the ones, the tales of the gods in ancient Greece and Rome, in Mesopotamia, you know, Babylon, um, into different cultures around the world to ask, how do these fit in with the psychological narratives? And what psychological conclusions will we draw if if we believe these stories? If we take these stories and we make them fundamental to us, what kind of psychological truths will we uncover? And so what has made him very interesting is that he takes the stories of the Bible and does the same thing. He fundamentally assumes that that they have some psychological value and and he ignores their historical reality, right? He just says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to address that. I'm not going to talk about whether or not God created the world in six days. He's a functional evolutionist, right? I mean, just full disclosure, he's, he is, he does believe, as far as I, I can tell, the, the story of human evolution, um, macroevolutionary processes in, in terms of many, 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 many years that aren't actually many enough, but still have to be because, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, he, he, he believes in that. And I think a lot of the reason he does is because that's his, his upbringing, that's his training. And, and also because he, he would have to make a, a statement of faith uh, in, in something else to, to declare it. And, and I think he believes that that would detract from his ability to speak objectively on, on the matter, or at least to be heard objectively on, on these biblical stories if he, if he were to make historical faith claims about them. So instead what he does is he, he analyzes the psychological depth behind them. And you know, to, to kind of go back to my favorite podcaster, Jonathan Fisk, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, um, one of the things he's been harping on recently is first article gifts. You know, how did God create the world? And part of what we have to understand in that is how did God create people? What, what, how do we think? What is going on in our little noggins? 
you know, how are we interacting with the world? How have we interacted with the world in the past? And by understanding who we are, we can perhaps be better equipped to limit ourselves, to, to handle ourselves, to deal with who we are. So Dr. Peterson is, is looking at this and he's, he's mining all of these things from the biblical stories, from creation a little bit. Um, the big one he likes is Cain and Abel, even though he, he thinks of it as a legalist, you know. Cain was rejected because he he didn't dedicate himself fully to the truth, and he you know he hated his brother therefore, and because Cain didn't give the best offering, then that's why he was rejected. Instead of looking at it and saying, right, because I'm going to just correct this here, right? What did you know? What was the first thing that Adam and Eve clothed themselves with when they they fell into sin? They closed themselves with fig leaves. They they took leaves and they used those in an attempt to hide their sin. When God found them, he he, after, after he talked with them, he cut, killed an animal, likely a lamb, and clothed them with its skin. So when we get to their sons, when we get to their sons, one of them offers an offering of plants and the other offers an offering of an animal, right? One takes the, the plants that is his parents used to cover themselves and he says, you know, this is what I'm offering. This is good enough. You know, look at what I've done. And Abel, on the other hand, understands what, what God said was right, and he aligns himself with that because that's where the covenant is. That is where the, the truth is. Um, that is where God's directive comes from. How does God order the world? And I think this is, you know, while he is mistaken on this read, there's a certain reality to the other things that he looks at. You know, he looks at, he loves Abraham, right? What does Abraham do? Get out of your house. Leave your father's house. That's something he really he really harps on, especially for for a lot of young people. Is go go explore, leave, go find something else, go enter the darkness. You know, this is kind of where Jung comes in. You know, with the the idea of the shadow self. You know, I don't fully understand Jung. I haven't read him, but you know, he seems like a fascinating character. But but you know, go confront, go confront the thing you're afraid of, because otherwise you're going to be afraid of it forever. And, and by being afraid of it forever, it will control you. It will, it will drive you. It will determine what happens to your life, right? There's, we have freedom, right? You have, if, you, if you want to be free, you have to confront the darkness. You have to leave. You have to go to an unknown place and, and learn to live there. And, you know, there's a certain interesting reality to that. You know, why didn't God say, you know, oh, Ur seems fine. You know, Abraham, come here and just settle down. We'll do it right there. Why did God make it Israel? You know, I don't. I don't fully know. I'd love to. I'd love to hear a pastor talk about that, honestly. So, if you know a pastor, please ask him. Uh, why Israel? Well, maybe that's part of it. Maybe part of it is I'm. I'm setting you apart, and you need to realize that. That that what you're being called to, what the blessing I'm giving you, is is different. It is you. You are not going to have anything else in your life like it. Um, and and so. You have to you have to get out of your father's house here, eighty year old Abraham. Right, about time. Come on, up and at him. Um, and then Abraham does, or Abram does, and becomes Abraham. Right. Um, that's that's one of the stories that that he really likes. And 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 so I guess to close out with with Doctor Peterson, um, one of the other things he's very interesting with is studying Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he, he does take it from a secular perspective. And he analyzes Jesus as a secular man. And 
I, I, I have to give him credit in saying he's, he's very friendly to Jesus in that regard, in that he, he will say, look, this guy knows what he's talking about in terms of how does, how does reality work, right? Um, he'll go through the, the different sections of the Sermon on the Mount and, and analyze them from a psychoanalytical perspective and say, look, if you're not going to believe it, if you're not going to believe that this guy is, you know, God or whatever, at least take what he says to heart. At least recognize that he has good things to say to you. Um, that that the culture that came that believed that these were true was good, and it was a, it was it was a good culture, and and that these things are not ought not to be thrown aside and ought not to be castigated because there's some religious attachments to it. You know, and his his relationship, Dr. Peterson's relationship with the resurrection is its own unique and interesting thing, um, where he's still trying to figure it out because he knows he knows it's not simply a a psychological thing of resurrection. You know, he's he's able to see psychological benefits, but he knows that when the Bible speaks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead after lying in the tomb, after being killed under the overseeing of Pontius Pilate. You know, that, that that is a historical claim and that that is a claim towards truth. And he's not going to overlook that claim. He's simply not here to talk about it. And I, I respect that piece of it, but I also do uh, I do hope that he, he can use his platform for good in that regard as well. The third, the third guy um, is a, a YouTuber on a YouTube channel called Universal Man. And one of the things I found interesting about this particular fella is he is trying to create a, a resource for men who want to get their, their lives turned around, who want to, want to get in control of their lives and achieve their potential. And a lot of what he talks about, in particular um, about pornography, has to do with discipline and has to do with simplification, with not giving in to your desires and allowing yourself oh, this was one of the biggest one allowing yourself to be bored right and and so again the, the YouTube channel is Universal man um, great great content and his his uh, man of action series is what I've been going through recently he's an uh, admitted Catholic but he's not going at it from a Catholic perspective he's giving it as a practicing um, therapist as far as I can tell and and so what he does is tells tells puts out how to get in control of your life. If you're out of control, here's here's some things, here's some principles to follow, um, and here's a way that you can look at the world to structure it better, to structure yourself within this space better. Um, here are the things that you should have learned from your father, but you didn't pick up because either your father was wasn't there, or because you you know weren't paying attention or because you weren't listening, or because you rejected it, or because you didn't know that they were important. And, and boiling it down, I mean, we are such a, we are such a weak and, and lost generation that we don't, like, we, it's not enough for us to see the, the actions, to see what we should do, to know what we should do. We need to know why. We really do. And it's not, I don't think that's a weakness in our part. I think the problem is that, that we don't understand it. You know, we are so far off the beaten path that the idea of a path is strange to us. The idea of a structure 
is strange in a postmodern world. So to hear, hey, boredom is good. Because if, you, if you're not bored, if you're constantly stimulating yourself, your brain doesn't have time to relax. Your brain doesn't have time to just sit back and think. And hearing that, that explained and then being told, yeah, go be bored. It's okay. Go get bored. Go spend some time doing nothing. Just, just think. You know, and it's not necessarily meditating, but just, just allow yourself to, to be bored. And so that's my call to action. That's my call to action to all y'all. Um, thank you for listening, but please spend some time over the next week being absolutely bored and see what happens. You know, one of the, one of the other pieces that he has there is, you know, if you want to get something done, tell yourself you're able to, you're only allowed to do this or nothing else. You know, and I'll admit I'm a little bit late coming out with this podcast. I, you know, had some personal issues that, that were preventing me from, I think, thinking clearly, but I should have addressed it. And what, what got me to sit down today was I opened up my recording software and sat down and I said, all right, I'm either doing this or I'm just sitting here. I'm not, I'm not on my phone. I'm not watching YouTube. I'm not going to browse Reddit for political punditry or see who's rooting for who in the Super Bowl. I'm going to sit here. And if I don't record it, then I'm just going to sit here. And that's okay. And eventually, I just said, yeah, I should probably, probably do this. Why not? Let's see, what, let's see what's on my mind. It's what got me to do the podcast in the first place, you know. Um, and so that's my, that's my call to y'all is if you have something you want to get done or if you have something on your mind or if you just you are bored, be bored and relish it. Relish the fact that you have the choice to do nothing, that you have the freedom to allow yourself to, to just be for a little while. Um, and if you have somebody else you can be with, be with them, but don't maybe don't do anything. Just be. Give it a shot. I'd highly recommend it from my own personal but admittedly limited experience. You know, but maybe go for a walk if you if you need a specific purpose to your boredom. But don't don't plan it. Don't plan it. Just just be bored. Be aimless. Be aimless with a purpose. This calls back to last week's episode, so um, I feel like feel like I came a little bit of a circle there, and so uh, once again, thank you for joining me. Um, in reference to, I guess, that earlier comment about the podcast getting started, I'd like to thank y'all because we actually hit 500 total listens over the life of the podcast. Um, I never expected this, honestly. Um, I got started as a as a reason to to force myself to speak, to force myself to codify ideas. And I'm, I'm just very grateful for you all that, that you've taken the time to, I guess, listen to what I have to say. And um, those of you who've given feedback, I really, I really appreciate it. So uh, until next time, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me and enjoy, enjoy your boredom. <laughs>